Okay, welcome to On The Ledger. This week, we're going to talk about enterprise security. And if you don't know what that is, it's crypto security for businesses. So I'm joined today by Charles Guillaume, who's our CTO, and Alexander, who leads the enterprise business and product at uh, here at Ledger. And we are going to unpack this issue, which is probably more important to you than you think it is, even if you are not a business. So guys, I'm going to you know, ask questions that are you know, intentionally naive on this topic. I talk to people about it all the time, and I think that A, they just don't think about it, um, and, and B, that, that there are a lot of um, specifics here that are important to them, but they don't realize are important to them. So what I'd really like is, is for people to just have a, a better understanding of, of you know, why that is, how it works, um, and what they should be thinking about in a variety of contexts, you know, whether that's kind of the banking context or, you know, just digital assets broadly, you know, the kinds of things that Nike and Starbucks, uh, you know, or, you know, dead fellas and cool cats are doing right with this, you know, it turns out that enterprise security covers, you know, this, this entire spectrum. So the way that I think about it, you know, when I describe to people is that, you know, we have, you know, incredible security as Ledger. Um, but that security as, you know, when you buy a Ledger Nano is designed for the individual, right? Now, what does it lack? It lacks governance. And what is meant by governance? So A, do I have that right? And then B, you know, for the average user, what the hell does that mean? Uh, when, when I joined the company in 2017, the idea of building a product for enterprise was already in the air. Uh, and it was quite clear, but... We, it, it, it was not completely clear what we needed to build. We had the Nino S, which was very successful already. And everyone in the space with uh, some awareness about uh, the security challenges was using Nino, Nino devices. And when I say everyone, it also includes uh, enterprise segments like family offices, hedge funds, exchanges. They had no clue how to secure their assets. And uh, quite often they were using Nano devices for uh, their cold wallet. And for the users, they, they were getting wrecked quite often, unfortunately. And so what we wanted to build was a product which would be as secure as Nano devices, but for, for enterprise. What's the, what's the big difference within, uh, with enterprise versus retail audience? First of all, Enterprise have often more assets to secure, but at the end, if you secure a, a private key, a private key is a private key, so it's it's not really that. What 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 is really important is governance. How do I access to my funds? What are the rules that I can implement uh, to access to the funds, to move them, to transfer them, to receive funds? All there's um, uh, there's a permission to access to the funds are uh, governance. With a Nano, uh, you have one pin, one seed, and that's it. Uh, so that means you have the knowledge of the pin and an access to the device, or you have the knowledge of the 24 words, and that's it. You have a full access over the fence. So what we wanted to build is to create a product enabling enterprise to say, okay, I have this account, this group of people in my organization has an access to this account, if they want to make transaction, they can do transaction up to this uh, threshold. If they want to make transaction of an higher amount, they will have 
to gather approval three out of five, like this this kind of uh, governance rule. That that was the that was the idea uh, when we started to uh, to to build uh, the ledger vault. So let, let me. I want to bring this you know back to our audience in a way that you know feels very <clears throat> practical for them because what I see going on in the market is totally crazy, right? So you know let, let's just like take some assumptions that that you just said as as facts. So. Ledger has, you know, sufficient security for and, I, and sort of from a level of security perspective and the way that we protect private keys. And for anybody that hasn't listened to the interview that I did in December with Charles, you know, I, I really encourage them to as a prerequisite to this particular interview because you'll understand that like ledger level of security. So let's just, you know, first of all, for the audience, make the assumption that the ledger level of security is sufficient, but it's not sufficient for an organization such as a company or a DAO or something, because it lacks governance, you know, and, and the example that I, that I always use is, you know, you're not going to, you know, just kind of give your recovery phrase to your most trustworthy IT person. If you're say, you know, Nike, Starbucks, LVMH, and, you know, now we start to, you know, go, you know, into other places, you mentioned exchanges, I mentioned NFT projects, you know, so what I, what I see going on out there is, you know, certainly, I would say probably most NFT projects, you know, run on a ledger, maybe Gnosis safe. And I want to touch on that in a second, um, but they, they, they run on, you know, a ledger often. And, and I've certainly talked to um, NFT projects, you know, that, that can't move any money from the treasury. If the founder is not available at that moment, you know, if the founder happens to be on vacation, you know, there's no movement of funds, like, you know, God forbid something horrible happens, you know, to the, to the founder in the, in that scenario, um, you know, we also know that there are exchanges who run on nanos, right? And that, you know, when there's <clears throat> maybe a freeze on assets that, you know, is, is lifted after a few hours, that was them, you know, going to the safe, getting out the nano, moving some funds around, you know, which also means that somebody has a copy of the recovery phrase, right? So there's obviously a lot of trust you know, in, in, in that scenario. So I, I want to, I just want to point out to people that, you know, this isn't some like, oh, well, I'm an individual, so I don't need to worry about this because as an individual, you know, you do interact with um, enterprises or, or corporations or DAOs or organizations or even, you know, NFT projects in the course of your, of your, of your life. And what, solution those people are using, what solution that organization is using is super important, you know, to you and your assets and the contracts that, that you know, that, that govern those, um, those assets. So it's probably more important to you as an individual than you realize. And what's going on in the space right now? Like if you're making the assumption that the organizations that you interact with are using good enterprise security, you're probably also making a mistake because what's going on in the space right now is totally bananas and wild west and i assume that we'll look back on this in 10 years and go oh my god i can't believe that that used to be the way the industry runs um am, am i am i off base and i'm not trying to be alarmist i'm just sort of saying what i see you know in in, in my everyday life is, is i am i am i off or on base with that uh yeah and i think you're you're dead on and uh, i think charles brought up some really good points as you know governance is really at the core of what we do with enterprise but fundamentally the way we like to synthesize it is 
Ledger is best of breed in security in crypto, right? We, we know that, uh, that we're industry leading in that space. What we needed to do with enterprise is address the dimension of scale. Right. So and way it breaks down is there's really three core dimensions of scale that we need to look at from a from a product and from a pain point perspective. One is uh, scale of value. Right. Charles has said this already. Uh, enterprises and large organizations hold more value in crypto. So we need to make sure that we address that. The more value you have, the more. Um, Malicious actors are going to be interested in, you know, attacking you with different vectors, spoofing. Uh, and also, you need to have more than one individual responsible for that value. You can't have one guy making decisions with billions in assets. Uh, so that's the, that's the core and primary driver of, of scale. The second dimension of scale that we address is uh, scale of complexity. Right. So in the last you know, two years, we've seen a huge emergence and a wide range of different use cases, to your point, NFTs, DeFi, new layer ones. Uh, you know, the, the world of crypto has been constantly changing at increasing rates. Uh, and uh, that really creates new and uh, constantly changing attack vectors that need that strong governance and strong security to be able to manage properly. And then the third dimension is the dimension of operational scale. Right. So crypto doesn't sleep. Uh, you need support 24-7. You have users all around the globe. Uh, and you need to make sure that you have the operational controls, the teams in place, uh, and the services uh, and the support uh, to be able to continue to maintain that level of operation to service your retail audience, which is completely global. Uh, those things together really make up the, the primary dimensions of what we do with Ledger Enterprise and where you as an organization need to focus your assets and your resources if you want to run a successful business in crypto. And more importantly, if you want to create a cohesive and secure service to your retail audience. Okay, so let's like, why, why is it then that it's, um, you know, that's the question I want to ask is, you know, what's the gap between today and that kind of wild west that I'm that I mentioned and getting to where, you know, anyone who isn't an individual and has digital assets has good enterprise security. Right. Because this is what I you know, what I feel is, is you know, that, you know, we're, we're in you know, we are still in, in the relative early days of of crypto ownership. Um, you know, if, if I if I look at you know even what we've seen over the last you know two years, like a real ballooning of um, ballooning and contracting of the number of people who offer crypto services to people, um, there there was you know maybe a, a bit of a ballooning of you know of security adoption over that time, but I would also say that that security adoption you know kind of didn't match the bubble, right? We had we had more um, you know more growth than we had a security adoption. You know, I, I talk a lot about, you know, I think what's what a, what a lot of people are willing to do is they are willing to compromise on both security and self-custody to get, you know, kind of the ease of use or, or, or the value. You know, we don't we don't compromise on either security or self-custody, um, you know, so I, I and I want to come back to what self-custody means uh, in, the, in the enterprise context, you know, but but what's the you know, why is there still this gap between, you know, it feels to me like consumers understand that they they really need to move you know up market in terms of security. They need to go from lower security to higher security. That feels like it's very you know felt in the marketplace. Whether it's on the security side because they see people getting 
wrecked or it's it's on you know just the self custody side because they see people getting wrecked you know there there's kind of an appreciation of that but i feel like the appreciation and understanding of it on the enterprise side and the implications both for enterprise and for customers you know is is still relatively low so you know why do we think that is and then what do we think it takes you know to get um you know a, adoption Great question. And we actually, um, we did quite a bit on this uh, late last year. So I think there's an interesting parallel here going back to consumer education, right? Because the challenge is, as a consumer uh, in Web3, the parties that you're interacting with, the players that are offering you services around NFTs, around exchanges, right? All the things that you can do with your crypto, it's it's not super transparent as to what are the types of controls, right? And, and how are they managing uh, their business? How they're managing your interactions with them? Uh, that's why we really focused on making sure that the consumer audience is very well educated and knows which questions to ask to their service providers, right? And, and how to best uh, really understand who is on the other side of the transaction and who are you interacting with as, as a service provider in crypto. There, so last year we launched our consumer protection uh, campaign, and there, you know, four very simple areas to focus on, and four questions that anybody out there who is, you know, participating in the in the crypto ecosystem should ask their service provider, whether that's an exchange, whether that's a you know NFT community or anything that you're engaged with, they should be able to answer those questions. One is, are you using enterprise grade security? Right. Are they using, to your point, Ian, are they still using nanos? Are they using a software wallet in some cases? Or are they actually investing fully in enterprise-grade security to be able to support the use cases they're bringing to market? Uh, the second piece is really working with your audience as an organization to uh, allow and uh, endorse uh, self-custody. Right, because the real, you know, the only real true security in this space is self-custody. And as an organization in the world of crypto, you should be able to work with your retail audience to educate them on the world of self-custody and support that model to the extent possible. Uh, third piece is uh, around governance, right? You need to have strong governance uh, to protect against internal threats. So that kind of plays into that uh, scale of complexity piece. Organizations have complex processes. If you're running a business, you need to have a team uh, dedicated to managing the business and the processes associated with it. And to be able to do that with crypto, you need the right governance controls and the right governance model. Um, and the fourth one is transparent operations. You have to have transparency. You have to have the right reporting capabilities. Um, you know, you really need to be able to know where your assets are at any given point in time and manage it across the different balances, different accounts, and different processes that you have. So governance helps you manage that, but full transparency needs to be in place uh, to build trust with your user base. Yeah, to to add on this and and to to understand to. To answer to your question, uh, also Ian, I, I think today we are still very early in uh, enterprise and financial institution uh, adoption. Like when we started to build uh, Ledger Vault, at this time we were thinking that the traditional finance would would go to crypto, and our customers would be like big bank going to crypto. But this is not exactly what happened. What happened was a new uh, financial institution who uh, started from scratch. Uh, sometimes that was some people who just got rich because they invested in Bitcoin in 2011 and, uh, and suddenly they had uh, plenty of money. 
But most of these companies, uh, especially at this time, were very new and not mature at all. And we built uh, thinking about like enterprise-grade security. And I think we are still early in the way where uh, financial institution gets more mature and uh, use more mature products in, in general. I think this is where we are. So the, the good news is that the player who started in 2017 uh, got uh, older and more mature and so on. And they, they understand better the value proposition of, of, um, of Ledger Vault. And secondly, the, the bet we took uh, five years ago uh, start to be, to be true because we start to see uh, brands, uh, like a very uh, mature brand, but also a financial institution going to crypto, which was not the case uh, earlier. But this is, this is where we are. We are at this uh, pivot point where um, um, the, 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 our client and the market for uh, enterprise uh, gets uh, more mature, I think. That's a that's a great point, Charles. And I think there there's two two kind of uh, two synergies in education where we have to manage, right? You have to work with the crypto native players to increase the level of operational maturity and readiness, right? And you have to work with the traditional players to get them to better understand crypto and the level of risk uh, in the in the crypto ecosystem. And we're now starting to see those two things converge quite quite well, and it's uh, it's a super exciting time. Yeah, I, I think it's well, two things I want to come back to. One is the Ledger Vault product specifically and how it works. And the other is it, it is an exciting time. I mean, we've got new news on regulation on a, on a weekly basis at this point. And my feeling actually is that, you know, Ledger is pretty well, um, you know, poised to be useful in, in that actually. But I, I want to let's put a pin in those two things for a second. I'd like to to to, uh, to come back to the, the security and the architecture um, for a second, because I had the 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 CISO of of a of a of an exchange that we all like and respect. Um, Charles, I think you know who I'm talking about. I would say his name because I don't think he would mind, but I won't just out of you know out of um, politeness because it was a private conversation and I don't know if he'd want me to to, to say his name. So my apologies to him if or my apologies to him if he would want me to. But he said to me, he said, Ian, Ledger Enterprise are the only ones who do it right. I mean, he's like he's like I've looked at everything. And um, you guys are the only ones who do it right. And this was good for me to hear because I don't know the, the technology and the architecture as well as, as well as the two of you do. So having this kind of independent um, you know, voice that I trust was, was important to me personally. Um, and I was like, okay, I'm happy to hear that. Tell me, tell me what you mean. And, and he, said, he said, look, you know, nobody else has, he said, actually what he said is everything else is security theater. Um, you know, everything else is a door behind a door, behind a door, behind a door, behind a door. And if I say door enough times, you're supposed to feel secure. But the reality is, is that nobody else has an answer to the question. You know, if we go, what happens if you go out of business? In other words, you know, I'm a bank, I'm, I'm like choosing a partner for my enterprise security. Um, and, you know, Ledger are the only people who can say, if, if we cease to exist on the planet, you're fine. Right. So that means that we have something unique in the way that we do, you know, the, the way that we do our security and our and our architecture and the way that we think about it, um, you know, relative to the competition. So, you know, can you know, Charles, can you explain, you know, architecturally, uh, you know, what it is that we're doing so different from from everybody else? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, if if you remember the the discussion we had about uh, the security of, of the Nano, we we started from the same the same uh, point. Like we wanted to achieve uh, three main security properties. The first one is generating your keys in a secure place. 
The second one was like implementing crypto, uh, the cryptography in a secure enclave. And the, and the third one is providing the user a way uh, to understand what he is about to consent in a trusted manner, like this is the, the trusted display property. And then on top of that, we wanted to add the, a governance layer. And the governance layer is as important as the security because you, when you start to think about uh, the, the, the security with the governance, you start to think as like, from an adversarial standpoint, like one user in the organization, if he does not has a full access to a ledger vault, he, 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 he is potentially an attacker. Like you have to think like this. So in order to build this uh, with this uh, requirement in mind, we we didn't start from scratch. We we use like banking grade uh, security, uh, hardware security um, uh, materials, which which are HSM. So we are using hardware uh, security module. So this is the kind of uh, hardware that uh, is used for uh, identity uh, and banking. And the first thing we did was like selecting one of the device uh, on on the market. And the first thing we did was to evaluate the security of the device. We spent a month uh, trying to find vulnerabilities. And this is actually what we did. Like there's HSM used by the banking and, and, and identity. Uh, we found a few vulnerabilities and then we worked with uh, the provider in order to uh, fix them. So this is always we start from that. Like, we don't trust, we verify. And then if we find vulnerability, we simply fix them. So this is what, what we did. and. So we had this HSM, which is basically a secure enclave, a dedicated piece of hardware where the keys are laying and where the cryptography is implemented. We also wanted some governance in the key generation. So we have different roles in Ledger Vault. And one of the roles is, is the, the seed owner, shared owners. And there are three people in the organization and they have uh, devices in hand. And in this, within these devices, they are generating secrets. And one third of each person is generating one third of the, of the secret. And then there is uh, what we call the secure channel, which is, uh, which is mounted from uh, this personal security device to the HSM. And this secure channel is used to uh, provision uh, the third shards of the key to the HSM. And the, the, uh, the HSM recombine uh, this, uh, this, this shard in order to uh, create the main seed for uh, a given uh, customer. So this is the, the first property, like generating the key in a secure enclave. So they are generated uh, one third in a personal security device, another third in another, and the, the, third, the, the third shard in, the, in another personal security device, then uh, provisioned to uh, the HSM uh, through Secure Channel. The second property is about implementing cryptography in a secure enclave. So we are using the HSM as a secure enclave. Uh, this is basically a dedicated device which is only used for, uh, for your, the security part of your, of your application. Uh, and it does mostly uh, cryptography. And the third thing is um, providing a way to the user to understand in a human readable way what it is about, about to consent. And then we had, we had an issue because the, an HSM doesn't have a screen. So this, this is also why we are using a personal security device that we give to the customers. And the, 
you can see the personal security device as a remote screen to the HSM. This is a, this is a, a quite fair to, 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 to say this. So we have uh, this setup. And then when it comes to uh, governance, as I mentioned, like we think governance is as important as the security itself. That's why we wanted to implement this governance within a secure enclave also. That was not easy because HSM are not built for that. They are uh, following like PKCS 11 um, uh, kind of interface, which is not that useful when you implement uh, cryptocurrency uh, management. So we get rid of this uh, PKCS 11 uh, interface and we uh, were able to uh, load our own operating system plus the governance layer. And uh, as a ledger vault user, when you want to uh, use the the, the, the product, you will define a set uh, of rules for your governance. So maybe you will say like these uh, users can access to uh, this account if they want to make transaction to uh, this address, they can because this is a whitelisted address. Uh, if they want to make transaction uh, above a certain threshold, they, they, they will need to gather a three approval uh, out of seven, like this kind of thing. One of the approval must come from the CFO. And all these rules are completely defined by the users and they are enforced within the HSM. Within the HSM, there is a governance engine which simply verify if the rules are met and if they are met, the, the, the HSM will be able to sign transaction or modify the governance or like every sensitive operation go through this, this governance engine. Um, so I think this is this is about it. Like the three main properties: generating your keys in a secure enclave. The second, cryptography implemented in a secure enclave. The third one, uh, having a secure display, clear signing of the way, and uh, and the uh, and the same applies with governance. Like what what I described is very low level, uh, clear, um, uh, close to the blockchain, but the governance also uh, implements those properties. Yeah, I mean, I have to say, I, I hope that. Um... That, that that users take that in or the listeners take that in because it's as Pascal you know has, has said and, and I agree I think ledger enterprise is like the best kept secret in the industry I think for the um, you know for the uh, you know the kind of completeness and utility of the solution that you just described um, is is kind of um, is kind of incredible yet it's still not even what we're known for in, in, in a way. Um, and I mean, that's why we're here talking today. I think I, I take, uh, you know, at least partial responsibility for that, for that fact. Um, but also it's quite, you know, it's, it's quite difficult to explain the difference and it gets back to kind of the market adoption question that we were talking about earlier. I think what would be helpful, you know, maybe continue Charles and, and pretend that I am, you know, the, the, the head of it at a big brand, you know, a, a Starbucks, Nike, LVMH, Adidas, and, you know, I've got an array of solutions in front of me. I'm not a crypto expert. Here's what I know. My business is going from having zero digital assets and zero digital you know, treasury to having more than zero. I don't even know really how important this is to my business yet. You know, I'm kind of going from zero to one, not zero to 100. Um, and I'm looking out there and, you know, I mean, look, I know luxury brands that, you know, have their, their you know, their contracts and their assets protected by Chrome and MetaMask. You know what I mean? So that's... That's one end of the spectrum. A nano would be, you know, one step above that. Then you've got um, maybe something like Gnosis Safe, 
and then and then maybe you've got you know an MPC solution. I don't know. You you tell me if if I'm going like right up the spectrum or not. Um, and then you know what I think that we believe you know people should be using is this is the is the the architecture that you just described for security, which gives them you know true enterprise security, um, the the kind of self custody at, at the enterprise level and governance. Right. Um, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, just like you and I did, Charles, on the on the podcast about personal security, we compared with, you know, a software wallet, we compared with a hardware, or, you know, with a piece of hardware that maybe stores in an enclave, but doesn't. Uh, but that's all. And we compared with, you know, some some hardware wallets that don't have the same level of security of uh, of ledger. And then you get to ledger. Like, tell me that that kind of that's, you know, maybe if you could just expose each of those, the failures in your view um, in each of those other solutions kind of going up that stack, it would be maybe useful to that, to that listener. Okay. So if I start with a software wallet, uh, and MetaMask or this kind of thing, I, I will be very brief, uh, uh, about that because when your keys are inside a software or Meta, MetaMask is one of them and so on, they are simply not secure. Any kind of malware on your machine is able to get access to the keys, is able to uh, trigger transaction. And that's it. So this is this is simply impossible to uh, secure your computer against uh, this kind of threat. So this you, you are screwed if you do that. Um, then uh, if you if you use uh, you are an enterprise and you are using a hardware wallet, uh, you are using the best hardware wallet out there like Ledger devices. Your keys are secure in the secure element. But you have a governance issue, like because at some point there is one guy in your organization that has full access to uh, the funds of your organization. The funds can be the one of your organization, but there can be the one, the funds of your clients. So this is a big responsibility. So first of all, you have to completely. I, just, I actually wanted to. I wanted to just tell two. I have two horror stories from the past couple of years about that. Um, again, to bring it, you know, back to real life for people. You know, I remember two calls um, specifically. One was from a Ledger customer who said, you know, our organization, I think maybe they were a law firm even, it just lost $5 million. They actually weren't calling us. They were really just calling us to see if we could help with the investigation because they knew exactly what happened. You know, and we said, okay, who has, who has the, uh, you know, the recovery phrase? And they said, our head of IT. And we said, where's your head of IT? And they said, we don't know. So that's the, that's the, you know, my, you know, our response was, I mean, actually we did help them with the investigation because there was just some tracking that they needed to do and law enforcement and those sorts of things. Um, you know, but you know, the, the good advice was like maybe check local plastic surgeons, right. To your point about, you know, having one person, you know, who, who has access to the funds of the company. Another really sad example for me was a company that a partner that we actually liked quite a bit. I really liked the CEO personally. I thought he was very clever and, and um, had a great vision for the company. But we get a call from the chairman one day and there's a fire sale at the company. And okay, well, where's the CEO? Um, and they're like, well, uh, he had, you know, the, he had all of the funds of the company on his nano. Um, the recovery phrase was in his one password. His one password got compromised and the funds of the company are gone. Um, and now so is the CEO and now so is the company. So, you know, the, the, I mean, the, this is, you know, you might think it's okay in the, in the, in the short term, 
you know, another, you know, horror story worth mentioning, and I didn't even mention just custodians, which I think is like a, a big solution for people. I mean, we've heard from multiple businesses over the past, you know, few months now that, you know, they had their corporate treasury with FTX, right, which um, evaporated overnight, um, you know, and there are there are other, you know, many, of you know, custodial enterprise solutions. So we should add that one to the list. But, you know, I just wanted to point out for the listeners, like, this is not theoretical risk. And, and my fear actually is that people will care more about this topic over the next two or three years, you know, because these are the, this is the, the next wave of horror stories that will, that we, that we are going to hear. Yeah. I have another one in mind, like uh, Quadrica CX, uh, CX, which was uh, a big exchange and the CEO uh, had a full access to uh, the, the cold wallet of the company. And he was the only one having full access to uh, this wallet. And at some point, he totally disappeared and uh, a death certificate of him has been produced and everyone uh, thought that he, he was dead. And, uh, and the funds for, of everyone was simply like uh, disappeared completely. And, um, and quite recently, a few months ago, like uh, we uh, saw the, the funds on chain moving. So we don't know if the guy is alive or we don't know, but someone had an access to uh, the funds and was able to, to, to move this fence. So this is not like hypothetical uh, stories. This is happening right now over and over. And yeah, as I mentioned, if you are the only one having an access to the fence uh, in your company, like the company must trust, trust you a lot. But it's not, it's not only trust because you, you can do a mistake or someone can uh, threaten your uh, family and force you to move fence. This is this is about that. Like when when you are when it's about billions, when it's about millions or billions, like you have to take all of this uh, in mind. Or, 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 or otherwise, the, the, you you have this uh, this horror story. Um, and uh, yeah, maybe the last example could be uh, could be MPC. Uh, MPC stands for multi-party computation. So this is a field of cryptography allowing to allowing to do uh, some computation. In a, in a distributed manner, and uh, when we uh, talk about uh, MPC in uh, for uh, crypt cryptocurrency management, this what, what we talk about is a threshold signature scheme. So this is the specific part of MPC, and threshold signature schemes allow to uh, produce valid signature by doing partial computation on uh, different uh, on, on different computers, for, for instance. So you say you shard your keys in three. Uh, uh, in, in three shards, and you produce partial uh, signature, uh, three partial signature, and when you recombine the signatures, you are able to uh, create a valid signature to uh, to do uh, on-chain transaction. So this is the idea, and uh, from a cryptographic standpoint, I think this is a really interesting idea uh, uh, because, uh, like, the, the mathematics are quite interesting, and and, and so on. Um, but I have a few concerns about uh, the Trestle Signature Scheme today. So the first one is it's a very nascent um, uh, field of cryptography. The schemes are evolving again and again because uh, some people are finding vulnerabilities uh, on, on previous protocol and then the new protocol arrives and, and so on. This is the this is the normal uh, way science is working. Uh, there is no debate about that. So I'm I'm quite bullish in, uh, on the science part, but I think it's still early to uh, transform science into products. There is there is some risk associated to do that uh, today. So this is why I'm a little bit conservative uh, on this. 
the second the second part is uh, is the following when you um, when you shard your key in uh, several uh, subkeys, let's say several shards, your governance is uh, is done forever. There was, it's not very flexible, and uh, in order to uh, create different schemes, it can be uh, it can be tricky. And so, and also you have uh, another issue, uh, which is uh, your partial signature still must be uh, implemented in a secure enclave. Uh, otherwise, you are just saying, okay, I've, I've sharded my uh, keys in two uh, shards, uh, and then I, I, I don't have to protect the shards. I think this is a mistake. Uh, implementing MPC is probably a good idea. Uh, it could be a, a better idea later, I think, but it could be a, a good idea. But if you do that, you have to protect your shards. I think it's important to use like um, a hardware-enforced uh, um, solution to implement the, the cryptography, even if it's if it's a trustful signature scheme. And finally, the same applies with governance. Your governance must be implemented in a secure enclave. This is what we are doing. Otherwise, you, you just have to break the, the, the governance and, and that's it. And finally, uh, the trusted display is, is again not something uh, you can bypass. Um, when you are about to uh, consent for a transaction, you need to be able to understand in a human-readable way in a trusted display, what you are about to consent. So this would be my main concern about where we are in uh, uh, MPC solution today. So I'm not against MPC again. I think in terms of uh, science, this is something really interesting. Uh, I think it needs, it still needs to uh, uh, pass the test of time. This is ongoing, but it's not yet. It's, we are not there yet, I think. And uh, and also, if you do that, if you do that, if you use MPC uh, for your solution, you still have to use the hardware to uh, a secure hardware to implement your cryptography in a secure enclave, and you still need to show to the user what what he is about to consent in a trusted manner. So this is really really important. I think, and I think I could, you know, if I come back to that, you know, that IT person at at the brand who's, you know, originally asking the question. First of all, that that's that's it's super helpful, and I think it also gives people a lot of context for how we think about the particular um, problem. And I think it's always for me, it's always, you know, helpful because it's, you know, I feel like when we talk about these things, you know, at the end, someone goes, "Wow, you guys are really serious about security, aren't you?" You know, I mean, and, and no, we're we're actually serious. And the reality, if I'm talking to that IT person again, is you go, if somebody is showing you the interface, you know, to your new corporate vault, and the way that you approve a transaction is on your iPhone, just hand it back to them and say, no, thank you. Right? I, I, to, to me, it's that simple because without, just like we were talking about, um, you know, on the on the consumer side. If you do not have a secure display, if you don't have a trusted display, you do not have security, right? So, you know, I'm going to make, you know, again, um, you know, IT person from Adidas, let me make your job super easy. The, somebody shows you a solution and the way you approve a transaction is on your iPhone. Just hand it back to them and say, no, thank you. You've got a busy day, um, but you don't need to see the solution, right? Mm -hmm. So see it. I, I would like to see a solution that's actually self-custody, that's actually on a trusted display. Like these are the things that, that you should be asking for in your life. You know, and so I, again, you know, if someone tells you a solution and, and like um, our CISO friend said, it's a door behind a door and it's security theater and it's actually custody. No, thank you. Um, somebody, you know, shows you something and you approve that transaction on an iPhone or an Android phone. No, thank you. 
Um, you want real security and real self-custody? Okay, you know, call, call, uh, call, call Alex. Um, so let's, let's, let's turn for, you know, for a moment then um, to the, the product side of this, because also at the end of the day, just a little comment about what you just said in terms of self-custody, like this is also something very important. When you implement, when you use uh, Trestle signature schemes or MPC, ask yourself who has access to the keys. Like, am I able to approve transaction uh, only with the people in my organization or do I rely on a third party? This is something you, you have to ask yourself. And the same applies for uh, independent recovery. When, when if ever your uh, technology providers collapse for any reason, like technology or, or financial, and like if, if, if it collapses, do you have a way to recover your assets completely independently on, on another solution? If you use Ledger Vault, the, the, the short answer is yes. Uh, you can um, uh, you can use a hardware wallet to simply recover uh, your uh, your keys for the vault uh, and and use them uh, for um, for moving your moving your funds and so on. Just because we are implementing the standards, the BIP thirty two standards, which is not the case for um, for MPC, especially just because it's incredibly difficult to do uh, to do uh, uh, like the, the the to implement BIP thirty two in a in a MPC manner. No, actually, I think that's so. The list of things that if I'm that IT person, the list of things that I should should be thinking about are you know independent recovery. And, and it's interesting because, you know, that one is a new one uh, for most people, right? Because they're accustomed to a bank where this is actually much more, it's called Ledger Vault. It's actually much more like a vault or a safe, right? Because, you know, you're, you're, not, you're not banking. You are storing critical digital assets, digital assets that you could potentially lose. It's what, it's what makes it, you know, both more critical and unique, Right. Because, you know, it's, it's and, and, and frankly, independent um, of the of the institution that you store it with, which I think is also, you know, that's the interesting thing here is you've, you've got what is probably treasury management on some side. Um, but it's actually more like um, almost supply chain management. Right. In terms of what an, what a you know, what an organization is used to doing. Right. Because you're you're securing something physical that, that, you know, it's not physical, but it is like storing something that could be lost, right? Like a, you know, like a, um, a pile of uh, shoes could, you know, could be lost. So that list of things, again, is, you know, independent recovery, um, you know, the, uh, the, the governance side of things and where is the, is the, is the governance done, um, you know, and, and also and give me the list. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm like, I'm trying to make the list in my head, but you have the, the better list and you just added independent recovery to it. Yeah, I can, I can jump in from a, from a product perspective. And that's what we really kind of, we really bring to market. And that's where the differentiation is. So Charles did a fantastic job describing the technology stack. And it's, it's incredible the amount of work and complexity that the team deals with on a daily basis to be able to bring something like this to market. We joke, like what we do is really, really fundamentally hard because it's security of the core. But the model that we have scales so well that we can actually scale that security model for a wide range of different use cases and productize it. And that's kind of exactly what we focus in, um, on the, in the enterprise organization. So the three factors are very straightforward, actually, right? You get self-custody, right? You get uh, governance and you get operational workflow, each one of those things with hardware at the core. 
right? So because Ledger does hardware fundamentally well, we also have our own firmware capability, which means we write our own operating system on top of the hardware that we do really well, and that's really the hard part. Uh, and those two core pillars allow us then to build secure software to support a very wide range of different use cases that scales very seamlessly. So some of the constraints that Charles mentioned with MPC, where the governance layer and the multi-signature layer are actually coupled together, so it's very difficult to unbundle them. So adding new governance rules is challenging. Uh, or, uh, for example, Ian, you mentioned Gnosis, right? Gnosis is a multi-sig model. There's limitations because it's supported at the protocol level. It's a great model, right, if you're doing Ethereum. But if you're doing other protocols, it's much more difficult to implement. Another piece of uh, multisig is that, you know, the shards still need to be maintained with hardware security. So most of the people that are using Gnosis actually use nanodes for the multisig aspect. And then same thing, because the governance is implemented at the protocol level, it's very difficult to decouple and have a flexible governance layer within that model, right? So with Ledger Enterprise, because we invested in the hardware, in the firmware, we're now able to build the software on top of that to support a wide range of different use cases and governance capabilities. So you get the self-custody aspect. So with the hardware that you have, you have the multiple shards, you have full recoverability, full self-custody as a business, same as you do with Ledger as an individual. On top of that, we have the fully flexible governance model. So you can update your governance rules in real time. Uh, there's a separation of concerns there between administrator users and operator users. So your operators are never setting up the rules. You can have administrators setting up all the rules and a different part of the organization that is working within that rule set. Uh, and the benefit there is that when you want to change your whitelist or you want to change your thresholds or you want to add an account or somebody leaves the organization, you can do those updates in real time. Uh, and know that they're being executed and managed securely within our firm la firmware uh, layer on top of the hardware uh, that we work with. And then the last piece is the operating model itself, where we're putting secure hardware with full what you see is what you sign, secure screens in the hands of your operators that they're using on a daily basis to manage all your transactions and operational workflow, where you know that you know, their cell phone, Ian, as you mentioned, or the browser can't be compromised. There's no possibility of a man-in-the-middle attack because the secure device is showing you exactly what it is that you're approving. Um, and those are the, the three critical factors. Now, on top of that, we have a full suite of reporting, uh, governance management capabilities, value-added services and integrations, and we support a wide range of different Layer 1 networks with that same schema so you don't have to adjust your operating model depending on the use case that you're executing or the chain that you're working on, right? It's the same governance whether you're on Ethereum, on Polygon, on Solana, on Polkadot, you know, the list goes on and on. And it's the same, um, the same model whether or not you're doing treasury management, which is foundational, just account management and payments, uh, as well as NFT use cases with smart contract management, minting, and other operations, or DeFi where you're interacting with smart contracts or staking. So the, the core element is we help you do self-custody and secure the keys, and then from there you have a flexible framework as to how you manage and secure all of your interactions with the underlying layer ones. Right, an interaction can be anything from a send-receive transaction to a smart contract interaction to a mint uh, to the creation of a smart contract across many different protocols. And it's that flexibility that is really differentiating.
No, it's super helpful. And th thank you for putting it together too, for people in a practical way in terms of like, what is the product, you know, that I'm getting if I'm getting Ledger Vault. Um, you know, really what I want to do is I want to, you know, in encourage anyone who's using, you know, any project, um, you know, anywhere with digital assets to ask, you know, the, the, the people, um, you know, who, who are, uh, you know, now that you have this kind of understanding of what you should be asking about, you know, ask the people who are, are protecting the things that are valuable to you, whether that's, you know, your assets or the contracts or whatever, you know, what are they using? And if they're not using Ledger Vault, why? I mean, I, I'm genuinely curious about the answer to that question based on, based on what I know, um, because I think a lot of people have made, you know, subpar choices. Again, you know, people seem to be willing to compromise on security and self-custody in ways that we aren't. Um, maybe that's just kind of lack of appreciation. Maybe it's because we haven't heard all those horror stories yet. Um, you know, but, um, but I, but hopefully people have, you know, have, after this conversation have a bit more of an understanding as to why these things, you know, are important and we're not being, you know, just kind of difficult or, or, or pedantic, um, you know, on, on this topic. Um, let me ask you this, you know, on, on that. Okay. So, so, so two, two questions, Alex. You know, if, if somebody, you know, kind of is moved by what we're saying and they want to become a Ledger Vault customer, what do, what do they do? It's not like they go to Best Buy and buy a Ledger Vault. No, I mean, come come visit us. Uh, you know, there's a ton of materials. You can, you can reach out to us directly on um, enterprise.ledger.com. Uh, go to the website. Uh, the product suite is, is well documented there. We have our full public um, APIs and developer center available. All the links are on the website. Uh, come request a demo. Uh, you know, we're, we're very open. Uh, we, we share everything. Uh, so definitely, you know, uh, enterprise.ledger.com and then come uh, fill out the form and we'll reach out to you. Cool. And then, you know, with all of this talk about, um, you know, things changing in the, in the regulatory world right now, you know, what's, tell me if I'm, you know, what I'm missing here, but it, it seems to me uh, the way that we manage assets, you know, is, is um, more in line with, you know, with, with what, you know, with where people are going, because it's about, you know, kind of direct management, um, you know, protocol staking without kind of a banking layer in between, you know, the, these, you know, these kinds of, of, of things. So, you know, do you see, um, you know, Ledger Enterprise, you know, being more important, you know, in, in the direction that, that the regulatory, uh, you know, winds are blowing or am I, am I overestimating that? No, I think that's a great point to to bring up, and obviously very timely with the with the recent events that we've seen in the ecosystem. And now that you know the the slightly delayed reaction of the regulators is coming, and it's always very interesting to see where this will this will go. I think you know the general hypothesis is pretty straightforward because the crypto ecosystem has been evolving so quickly uh, over the last two years. Kind of that you know those the three dimensions: dimension of value, uh, complexity, and operations. We're kind of outgrown um, ourselves a little bit, right, as, a, as an industry. And what happens in those models is you really end up with a very high concentration of risk, right? So you have a very few number of entities sitting on incredible uh, amounts of value uh, in assets and not having the right governance or operational frameworks in place to be able to manage that properly. Uh, and in fact, the biggest risk and why the regulators are getting involved is a lot of that value isn't in their own value. It's the value of their users. It's the value of their retail audience, which is exactly why regulation exists in standard finance today is to protect the user to protect the retail audience. Uh, 
Uh, so I think what we'll see and we'll continue to see in the industry is the regulators starting to move in ways where they're going to start to decentralize some of that risk no pun intended right like here we are in the crypto ecosystem which is all about decentralization but somehow we ended up with majority of the assets sitting with centralized entities so in fact what the regulator is saying is that crypto should behave more like crypto right we should we should follow the manifesto we should be moving towards DeFi. we should be pushing forward with self-custody right because all of those things signal distribution of risk versus concentration of risk and that's what the industry needs so in fact what we do at ledger both on the retail side with the hardware wallet and with the self-custody component and what we do with ledger on the enterprise side with the business solutions are very much aligned uh, with this next generation this next wave of um, you know of changes that i think we're going to continue to see in the ecosystem uh, and on the business side it's also important to mention that you know given the regulatory changes and the recent events there's now a lot of more noise uh, around networks right and creating networks for easy settlement or more secure settlement and one thing for me that's going to be super critical to observe and make sure that the industry understands is that a network is only as secure as the governance that's built that it's built upon right there's no point in building networks that are kind of completely software based right because those networks can be compromised and they will be targeted uh, so it's going to be very important to make sure that the next generation of financial services networks that we build, uh, as we start to distribute some of that risk uh, and accommodate for some of the new regulatory requirements that will be in place, are built with the right foundational security, governance controls, and capabilities in place so we're not replicating the same risk profile. Because honestly, you know, just like FTX, which was mismanaged and had bad operational and governance controls went down and basically took a lot of retail value with it. Same issue could happen with networks that are created in such ways where they don't have the right governance and the right operational controls, right? And if you take down a network, it's no longer just a single entity. It's now many entities, uh, which could be even more massive. That's yeah, interesting to me that, um, that as you said that that this kind of um ethos of decentralization uh you know would would end up applying um from regulators as well but but i think that you explained it well in terms of why that would be because you know uh you know centralized risk is is effectively more risk and you you do have kind of a, a completely different asset class here um and the opportunity to decentralize that risk um you know and, and you know, and, and so, and I think not only when you have decentralized that risk, can you build the application layers on top? Um, so that, you know, it's, it's, I think it, I think it's, um, it's unfolding in a, in a super interesting way. Well, I mean, we're, we're, at, I, I've, we're at time. I, I hope this is, you know, I, I hope this is really, uh, I think for many people, um, a certain audience, this is certainly illuminating. So thank you guys for taking the time you know, to, to, to carefully explain it. Um, and you know we'll see what the audience thinks, and maybe maybe we do a follow up. But what's what's the uh, you know are there things that are kind of you know broadly unknown or misunderstood in the space about you know either enterprise security or our enterprise product that you guys want to close us out with? Anything we've forgotten? I think it's a pretty good introduction to what we are doing and why. And now let's see what are the reaction, and probably we will do a follow up. 
hundred percent. I think uh, I think we we've uh, covered a lot of ground. I mean, to synthesize fundamentally, right? Self custody first for businesses as well as for individuals, right? And then for businesses, governance is imperative and critical, but make sure it's hardware enabled governance and not just you know. Uh, security theater governance, um, and then from there you can you can build your own build your own adventure. Perfect. And what I would say to the audience is the horror stories are coming. Please don't be one of them. You know you've 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 heard it. You get it. Um, thank you for being with us. Thank you for uh, you know. Thank you for caring. But you know, I think two things. One, if you are an organization, um, you know, please use the best in enterprise security. Um, do your own research. You know, I think you'll you'll land at Ledger Enterprise, but you know, invite you to invite you to do your own research. Um, and if if you are not an enterprise uh, customer, if you're just an individual in the space, you know, ask the projects that you care about. You know, ask you know the the, the founders of you know the, the the projects which are meaningful to you. What are they using for enterprise security, and does it? You know, does it stand up to the, um, you know, to the criteria that, that Charles and Alex have left with us today? So thanks a lot, guys. It's a it's a pleasure to work with you, and you know, I I really appreciate you. You know, you guys have you know taught me so much over over my time here, and and it's really you know an, an honor to be able to be a conduit to that to 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 bring the to the knowledge to more people. So thanks so much for for being game for it. Thanks, Ian. Thank you for having us. This content is provided for informational purposes only and is the sole expression of our opinion and should not be relied upon as legal, business, investment, or tax advice. Do your own research. Any loss or profit is your sole responsibility. Stay safe.